Well, hopefully, as we've studied prayer a little bit more closely over the last little while, the Lord has been able to broaden your understanding of what it means to come before God, to pray, to communicate, to talk with God. And especially in our series here on the Apostle Paul, we've talked about several kind of big categories. And I want to just kind of remind you that we've talked about that, that Paul's prayers many times were especially focused on other people. I don't know about you, but God's been speaking to me about that. Much of my prayer time is focused on me, and God wants us to pray about our own concerns. But God shows us through Paul that a servant of the Lord has a heart to lift up others to God. We've learned about gratitude. The Apostle Paul just continues to emphasize that if we are filled with the Spirit of God, if we are having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, we are going to be a very grateful people. Amen? We've learned through... Amen? Amen. All right, now you guys got to warm up tonight a little bit. I feel like I'm having a crank here, okay? I, I can't be up here unless I know you're, you're with me, all right? All right, thank you. All right, I think we're getting there. The Apostle Paul has taught us to be very persistent in our prayers for other people, to continue to pray, to stay on it, to not give up, to be faithful in prayer. He's taught us to focus on God's work in people's hearts. You know, many times, even if we're praying for other people, we're praying about things that are involved with this world. And and like we said, God wants us to be involved. He wants to be involved in the day-to-day things that happen in our life. But many times, that's all we focus on. And I think we're learning from the Apostle Paul, there's some other things that I've never really thought about to talk to God about. Amen? Amen, that's a little better. All right. Well, tonight we're going to turn to the Ephesians uh, chapter 3 and verse 14. And let's pick up there. We want to just part three of our series on the, the prayers of Paul. Verse 14 says, For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. By the way, that's that same word we learned last time. That surpasses, that transcends our understanding. That you may know that kind of love, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of of God. Now, as we begin these verses, I want you to notice that Paul starts out in verse 13 by saying, I bow my knees. Now, I think that's kind of interesting, and then we need to point it out because as he's introducing to them some prayers, some additional prayers, he's already talked to them, as we learned last week in chapter 1, about some prayers that he lifts up for them. But as he introduces that idea here in verse 14, the way he refers to prayer is by saying, I bow my knees to the Father on your behalf. Now the Bible doesn't tell us every time you pray, close your eyes, bow your head, fold your hands, get on your knees. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But it's helpful for me, and I hope it is for you, that to understand that sometimes when Paul prayed, he must have done what? He must have gotten on his knees. And I'm sure that was just physically a way for him to demonstrate that he was humble before God, that he was dependent upon God. And I don't know about you, but it makes me think, you know what, sometimes maybe I need to get on my knees physically when I'm praying. It's not a requirement necessarily, 
We can pray standing. We can pray with our eyes open. By the way, I encourage you if you're driving. We can, you know, but, but sometimes maybe we should get on our knees when we're spending time with God. Then in verses 15 and 16, he says, when I do that, I pray. In a nutshell, he basically says, I pray to a big God. He says, I pray to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, it's not exactly clear if he's just saying there, God as the creator is over everyone and everything. That's the God I'm talking about. Or it might be saying that the God who is the father of all believers, all who put their trust in God here on earth and those who've gone on to heaven. Either way, he's saying, what kind of God is he? He's a pretty big God, isn't he? He's the God overall. When I get on my knees, I'm talking to a big God. Now listen to this. He says, and I pray that he would grant, and that word means to give, I pray that he would give you some things. By the way, let me just pause there for just a minute to say this. Many of us leave church thinking, oh, I've got to reform. I've got to get better. I've got to try harder. I want to challenge you to to change your thinking because that's what comes naturally to us. Oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. You know what? What I need to do is not so much do a bunch of things. I need to surrender more. There's a big difference. That's why sometimes I make the distinction between the word commitment and surrender. Commitment sounds like I'm still in control, doesn't it? Surrender sounds like I'm letting God initiate and lead my life. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. I pray that you wouldn't try real hard. I pray that God would just give you some things and listen to what he says. I pray that what he gives you, don't miss this, will be in proportion. Listen to what he says. He says that he would grant you in accordance to the riches of his glory. You should say, wow. Okay, I'm praying that God is going to so work in your life that it would be corresponding to the riches of his glory. Wow. That's a pretty big prayer, wasn't it? Pretty nice thing. To pray, he's saying, I pray that God would really bless you. And here are several of the things we're going to learn about tonight that Paul prays that God blesses them with. And it teaches us how to pray for other other people. First of all, pray that others will get stronger. Look at verse 16. It says in the second part of that verse, he says, I pray that he would grant you, that he would give you, according to the riches of his glory, that he would give you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Paul says, I'm praying that as God works in your life, that as his Holy Spirit living in you works in your life, that God will make you stronger, that God will give you the power to have more strength in your life. Friends, listen, it is a strong desire of mine as your pastor. It is a, the, one of the primary reasons that this church got started Please hear me. We hope that as a result of God leading you in our direction, whether that's for a short period of time and God leads you in other directions or whether it's for a long period of time, I'm hoping many of you are for life. Amen? I want to enjoy life together. Amen? Worshiping, serving, growing, sharing the Lord with other people. But no matter whether that's shorter or longer, I'm praying, our hope is that as a result of people getting connected intersecting their lives, God intersecting their life with New Hope Community Church, that they will be stronger. Amen? That their lives will be different and better and more blessed. And they'll have more clarity in their life. Friends, listen. So as a pastor, I talk to so many people. And and hey, I'm a person too. 
I live life. I have a family. I have extended family. And you know what? Life is a lot of ups and downs, isn't it? And I find that as God brings people our way, they've been through a lot of ups and a lot of downs in their life. And you know what? That is just life in some sense. But you know what? We're going to continue to have ups and downs, but here's what we hope. Don't miss this. Here's what we hope. The ups and downs in your life after God connects you with our church family, the ups and downs are like this. What does that mean? That means, yes, I'm still going to have ups and downs. Everything's not going to be perfect in my life, but because God has connected you with our church family, our, our, our prayer is that you're going to be growing and stronger and staying up. Amen? I'm tired of the instability in my life. I'm tired of the ups and downs. I want to get on a path that's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. That's why we need a Savior. Okay? But I want to get on a path in my life that says, God, you know what? Little by little, my, my, my motto is little engine that could. Okay? Never impressive at any one point, but continue just to move forward. All <laughs> right? Just, God, just continue just to help us to get stronger and stronger. Can we be a place like that? I hope so. As I thought about that, I thought to myself this week, I was just praying about, Lord, what are some areas in my life that I need to get stronger? What are some things that that I feel like that probably the people I'm going to be talking to this weekend could say, you know what, this is what I need some strength in. First of all, the area of sin. Isn't it true that all of us have things in our life that we struggle with? And specifically what we're saying here is all of us have things in our life that we struggle with, that we know are wrong, that we know are not God's purpose for our life, but we have those, those, those sins in our life that maybe keep popping up, those temptations that we struggle with. And you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that I will get stronger against those things. How about you? Also, I pray for that. I pray that you will be strengthened, that next week, you will be stronger against those temptations than you were last week. What an awesome thing to pray. I I pray that we'll get stronger with situations in our life. You know, many times the circumstances of life, they they tear us down, don't they? They break us down. I mean, do you ever feel like that? In fact, you ever leave church and then all of a sudden real life starts again? And it's just like, you know, I got some legs under me. And then what happened? They got knocked out. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live like I got the legs under me. Let's keep them. Amen. God, I want to get stronger. Paul said, I pray that you would be strengthened in the inner man, that you would not be tossed about, that you would not be up and down all the time. Yes, we're going to struggle, but the struggles need to still be going up. And then last, I thought about seeing God's purpose for my life. Do you ever struggle with knowing what God wants you to do? Do you ever struggle? I'm not always strong in that. I don't always know what the Lord wants me to do. And as a result of that, our lives are vulnerable. Hey, I believe Paul would say, I pray that you would get stronger in knowing what it is that God wants for your life. Wouldn't that make you stronger? I pray that you get strengthened in the inner man. And, and, and really the challenge tonight is obviously... God would speak to us about doing those things in our heart, but really the specific challenge that Paul gives us about prayer is, do we pray those kind of things for other people? Because I can kind of identify in my life that I need to get stronger in those areas, but I think specifically what the Lord's speaking to us about is, I need to be thinking about you and your life. 
and I see somebody struggling and I pray, God, I pray that they would be strengthened with your power by the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. Isn't that an awesome thing to pray for somebody? Is that something that you currently pray for people that you know and care about? I don't know that I could say yes to that. How about you? But as a result of learning this tonight, I think I'm going to start thinking about that a whole lot more. Paul's teaching me. God's teaching me through the Apostle Paul's heart. Pray that others will get stronger. But then in the second part, in verse 17, he says, pray that Jesus will be at home in other people's lives. Now, what do I mean by that? He says, he says I pray that you would be strengthened with God's power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul says, one of the reasons I'm praying that you're going to get stronger is because I hope that your life can become a place where Jesus is more and more welcome. Now, as we read this verse, Paul says, I pray that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Some people interpret that as meaning so that you'll accept Christ as your savior. Okay, I don't think that's what he's saying here. I believe what he's saying here is because the word that's used here where it says that Christ may dwell in your heart is a word that means settle in, make a home, okay? So I believe what he's saying here is is I'm praying that your life would be a place where more and more Jesus is at home. And maybe we should think about it like this. Is Jesus welcome to walk into every room of your heart? You know, about uh, when I was in my 20s, I remember going to a, a church one time, and I remember the pastor specifically preaching. I remember specifically talking about this. I mean, it was very visual. Now, I thought about that this week when I was thinking about, is Jesus at home? Is Jesus perfectly at home? Is he able to not be a guest, but a permanent resident? In the sense of, is it, can he make a home in every area of my life? And this pastor, he just described, you know, just imagine for yourself. And he, and he talked about it in terms of like a, a, a literal house, okay? Jesus walks through your front door. Would you be comfortable with Jesus watching what you're watching on TV? Would you be comfortable with Jesus sitting down on your couch and looking through your magazine rack? Would you be comfortable with Jesus walking through and you were on the cordless phone Would you be comfortable with him hearing those conversations you're having on the phone? Would you be comfortable with him sitting down and saying, hey, Robbie, uh, I need your passwords. Oh, sorry, I've got them. Okay, and he punches them in. He punches them in and he, he starts looking on your computer. Would you be comfortable with Jesus knowing what you do on your computer? You see what I'm saying? And he specifically talked about, and I think there's great imagery here. He said, you know, would he be comfortable... Would you be comfortable with Jesus opening your closet doors? <laughs> what do we do with closets? We throw a lot of our junk in there, don't we? Or we hide things. Maybe that's one of the best places. If you're growing in your relationship with the Lord, Paul says, I'm praying. I think this is what Paul is saying to him. He says, I'm praying that Christ may set up his residence that Jesus would be at home in your hearts through faith. I remember hearing that message, and I remember thinking this. I remember thinking, Lord, I've given you 
about 50% of my heart. Maybe 80%. But I'm ready to give you 100%. Now again, is anybody going to pull that off perfectly? No, that's why we need a Savior, right? I cannot do that. But is your heart's desire tonight that Jesus Christ would have full access into every room of your life? I think that's what Paul's saying. He prayed that. I think that's what he's saying here, that Jesus would not be a guest, like I said, but he would become, you would treat him, because he is, isn't he? If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he's living there, isn't he? But you would treat him like a resident. Now again, going back to the real point of this passage, this is praying this for someone else. And so the real question is, is this something that I think of in other people's lives? Did I have a heart for other people and where they're at in their relationship with God? And maybe sometimes I see some areas that they're not giving God full control and that we would actually specifically pray, God, I pray that more and more that person would let you be at home, set up residence in every area of their life. But you know, it's not a bad thing to ask ourselves either, is it? Is it happening in my life? Does Christ have full control of every part of, part, every part of my heart? Then in the second part of verse 17, he says, And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Pray that others would grasp God's great love for them. Paul says part of that getting stronger thing that I desire for you, that I pray for you, is I pray that you would grab hold of what it means to be loved by God. We could camp out on this for a little while. Actually, we are for just a second. But we could camp out on it a lot longer. Specifically, Paul says this. He says he describes it in several ways. He says, he says, one way I want to describe it is, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Now, Paul uses some agricultural imagery, and he uses some architectural imagery, does he? I mean, you just kind of see it, don't you? I pray that you would be rooted. I pray that you would be grounded. What does that sound like? I pray that there would be a solidness about your life. Isn't that what it sounds like? I pray that there'd be strength that there'd be stability, that you would have your feet under you. When you're building a house, when you're building a structure, it's not a lot of fun to lay the foundation, but it's absolutely essential to do that work, isn't it? Paul says, I pray that you would have a strong root system, that you would have a strong foundation underneath you. If you're going to get stronger, the only way that's going to happen is if you more and more are getting an understanding of God's great love for you in Christ. The ability to be strong in life will come from our lives being built on understanding more and more progressively. I had not got my arms around it, have you? Do you totally understand? In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I've shared with you before. I don't know why some Christians feel like they get proud the more they learn about God. It seems to me like the closer you get to God, the more humble you ought to be. Because the closer you get to God, the more you realize how messed up you were and you didn't know it, right? And how awesome God is. And how gracious He was to, to accept you in the first place. Paul said, if you just... Friends, God's given you a little bit of a glimpse here if you say, I wish I had a stronger life. 
He says, camp out, chew on, ask God to show you a little bit better understanding of what it means, his unconditional. The, the word that's used here is agape. Many of you know from studying God's word, that's the unconditional, never let you go kind of love that God has for us. Paul puts it another way. He says that you may be able to comprehend fully God's love. Now, that word actually means to grasp something, to to grab hold of something. Paul says, I want you to grab hold of God's love for you. And, And I think part of that is the image of understanding. He wants us to get it. But I think part of it gives the idea, grab hold sounds like determination to me. How about you? I want you to grab hold of it. Are you determined? That's where I said Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, the apostle Paul said, God grabbed hold of my life for some reason. And I don't know all the reasons why God grabbed hold of me, but I'm, I'm not stopping until I grab hold of that and understand that and just squeeze everything I can out of it. Paul said, that's what I want for you. I want you to be determined to understand. And then he makes it even more visual. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, with all God's people. This is God's, Paul's prayer for all of God's children that we would understand, we would grasp what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. He's going to say here in just a minute, the love of Christ. Paul uses terms that express measurement. Breadth, length, height, and depth. You know, it's interesting that he uses those four words. We typically think of our lives as how many dimensions? Three-dimensional, right? Now, how we typically think about our lives? Actually, though, if you study science, you know that we recognize there's a fourth dimension. Some people just simplify it by saying time and motion. And some people say Paul is hinting at that, so we could read it like this. The breadth of God's love, it extends to all people. The length of God's love, it goes for all time. The height of God's love, it goes to the highest heavens where God is. And the depth of God's love, it goes to the deepest sin and difficulty and pain and hurt that we can find ourselves in this life. Isn't that great? (laughs) Some say Paul is hinting at what God already knew, but scientists are now discovering. Did you know they believe there are actually many more dimensions? in reality, out there in the universe. And you know what, I kind of, as I read this, it's almost like Paul is kind of throwing out there, I pray that you would comprehend. Have you ever studied the universe before? Hey, it's kind of big. Amen? I, I said, Remember I said last week? We were talking about how God's power surpasses everybody else's power. We said, like, if he hit a baseball, it wouldn't be, like, over the fence, or it wouldn't be, like, over the, over the stadium. It'd be, like, to the, to the sun. Okay, 93 million miles away. And that's just our earth and our sun. Hey, Paul says, and guys, listen. Follow what he's saying here. I pray that you would grab hold of what is the breadth and the length and the height. It's like every dimension, every aspect and, and, and of reality that we can think of. Now, when you think about the universe, the reality that we live in the universe, that's pretty big, right? It's almost like he's saying that's how big God's love is towards you. And what I would encourage some of us to do is maybe to go do some research on the universe. 
And then when you learn how many million light years away some of those things are, say to yourself, that's how God measures his love toward me. It's hard to describe, isn't it? It's hard to put into words. It's hard for you to understand as I'm sharing that. We don't have the ability to document things in a way that, that, that can even begin to describe God's capacity. But I can begin to imagine, wow, God has such a heart for my life. Can we at least say that? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Maybe we could put it like this. What is all this saying? Well, it could bring great satisfaction and fulfillment in my life. Because you know what? Well, let's, let's think about it this way. The apostle, here's, the, here's kind of the picture that I get in these verses. The apostle Paul is basically saying, I want you to understand something. Go, let's read down the next. I want you to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The picture I get is like this. The apostle Paul says, go to the beach, take your little cup, and fill it up with ocean water. Okay? Now, if I filled my little cup up with ocean water, that'd be about my understanding. God says, as much, uh, Paul says, as much as you can understand, I pray that God would fill that up. But by the way, beyond your little cup, there's like the whole world full of ocean. Does that make a little sense? What God is saying to us is there is satisfaction, there is fullness. He says that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. For my little capacity, there is great fullness and satisfaction but there's excitement in, there's a lot more left for me to discover. Right? My little cup doesn't even begin to represent, are you kidding me? It's not even close to understanding. Even if I was full, it wouldn't even be close to understanding all that there is for me in the Lord. And that remaining extent of God's love apparently is unimaginable. You can't get to the bottom of it. But I can tell you this, apparently it's not a little, right? At the least we can say it's not a little. Paul says, that's my prayer for you. I hope that you just got a little better idea of what that looks like. And then verses 20 through 21, there's something it kind of, uh, uh, Jeff, what do you guys call it? Uh, at the end when, you, uh, when we have a song and we're kind of just worshiping the Lord and you just kind of play, you know, and you guys kind of keep going. Is that party at the end? Okay. Party at the end? Okay, that's what, the, that's what our musicians call it. Okay, party at the end. Just kind of, you know, Joe's over there, or Jeffrey with the drums and the cymbals, and, you know, just kind of continuing to worship the Lord at the end of a song. Well, Paul kind of parties at the end here, okay? In verses 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able. I mean, seriously, guys, it's hard to explain this to what I shared with you last week in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is trying to put into words things that are hard to understand especially in our limited language. But Paul is building up here. He said, I pray, I'm trying to describe for you what God has for you in Christ, the amazing life. I pray that you would just grasp what that means. And then he says, now to him, he just gets excited. He says, now to him, is, who's, and you just hear the drums, you hear the cymbal. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory. Hear the drums? To him be the glory 
in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Pow! That's what I would do with the drums. That's what he's doing. It's party at the end. And I share that with you so that you'll catch the heart of the Apostle Paul. We're not standing here listening to Paul write, right? I mean, speak, right? But I believe that's what's jumping out of these verses is God is saying to us, I am communicating things to you that are far beyond your comprehension. But Paul says, I pray that you could understand it just a little bit more. And again, the real application here is, I pray that you would be able to understand that. I have a heart for you. And you pray that I would be able to understand that, right? God is speaking to us about prayer, things that I would have never thought about to pray for other people. And you know what's kind of cool, and I think we've noticed this as we've gone through this? As you start praying that for other people, as you start thinking about desiring that for others, what happens? God starts doing it in my heart too, doesn't he? Isn't that cool the way it works? It's kind of the irony of Jesus' way, isn't it? The more I lay down my life in service to others, the more I find life. There's a whole lot of lessons in this, aren't there? This is not how I would think. I would think, Lord, please help them with that job situation. Lord, please provide some money for their washer and dryer. Lord, please help them with their kids. They're having some struggles. And we've learned, clearly, do not shy away from praying specifically about things that we struggle with in this world. But for many of us, that's all we pray about. And God's challenging us to think a little bit differently. His thoughts are bigger than our thoughts, aren't they? And I want a glimpse of what he's thinking about. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is your revelation of yourself to us. But it's where we go to understand who God is and what you want for our lives, Lord. Tonight, I thank you that as we study your word, there are things that I would have never known. There are things that I would have never thought of. There are things that I would never pursue unless you spoke to me about that. So we thank you for what you're teaching us here in the book of Ephesians. And I pray, Lord, that you would be changing our prayer life, that it would be focused on other people, and that it would be a bigger picture than many of us tend to have in our lives, Lord. And by the way, Lord, while we're thinking about someone else understanding your great love, I pray that I would understand it better. Lord, I just thank you that today, this week, you have just washed over me with with understanding just a little bit better how much you love me and how so very much you love the people in this world who need you to be their Savior. How passionate you are, Jesus, for all men and women and boys and girls to come to know you as their Savior. How you will glorify yourself in this world. And Lord, if we will just partner together with you, if we will just be your servants to let you work through us, that we get to be a part of that plan. 
It's unbelievable. Give us a glimpse of that tonight and help us to respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I've got to be honest with you guys. The book of Ephesians is a very difficult book to teach and to preach on. I mean, it's kind of like, here y'all grow read it and figure it out yourself. I can't explain it. It's too much. So I'm not even going to kid myself that we've even remotely, hardly accomplished anything tonight, except if God was able to open up your heart and your understanding. And I hope he was. I hope he was able to work through the message tonight to do that. But at the very least, I think Ephesians, these last two messages we've had, many times we see God purely from our world, from our perspective, don't we? Kind of from a human perspective. And really, Ephesians teaches us God is on a lot bigger scale than we are. Tonight, whatever you need to do with that, whatever God wants to do with that in your heart, would you let him? Are you not trusting him? It seems kind of silly not to trust somebody who can create the universe. Right? Who, who knows what's going to happen at the end? Who's working out a plan? It seems kind of silly when you think about it. But many times we get caught up in life. And tonight maybe God just kind of took you on a little bit higher perspective and said, Wow, God, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe there's some sin in your life. And you know what? After you get exposed to God, it seems really kind of petty, doesn't it? You mean I'm choosing this over a relationship with God? What have I been doing? God, forgive me. God, help me. Tonight, maybe you're a Christian and you've been proud. You say, you know, I've learned a lot about the Bible. I know some things. I've got some experience. I pray that God's just blown you away the last couple of weeks and just said, you don't know anything. <laughs> you're just, you're, you're like, you know, like the book when you read, it's like the Roman numerals. You know, like the, you're not even on the book yet. You're just, they're not even numbered the same way. This is the preface. You're just beginning to get an idea of what you don't know. Amen? Well, God, humble you tonight and just say, God, I am so sorry for my pride, for comparing with other people instead of comparing with your greatness. Whatever it is tonight, if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I pray that maybe God was able just to work through the, the, the message and the, and the service tonight just to overwhelm you with who He is and that you would just drop on your knees like Paul and just call out and say, God, please forgive me. Please come into my life. I want to change. I don't like the way I'm living. I want to trust you. <coughs> Whatever it is tonight, you can do that right now as we close out. We're going to sing a closing song. We're not in a hurry, though. This is not a, you know, 10 seconds, then we're out of here. We've got time. So let's let the Lord do some business in our hearts.